If you would like to submit a story, topic, or have any other inquiries, please email submit at skibanewsnation.com. Also, you can email Jeremiah Skiba personally at jeremiah at skibanewsnation.com. Also, email Jake personally at jake at skibanewsnation.com. If you want to write us a letter, send us something, help support us, or just say hi, please send your letter to Jeremiah Skiba, P.O. Box 560-271, The Colony, Texas 75056. If you write us a letter, I'll do my best to write you back. Hey, Skiba News Nation family, thank you for watching. Please like, share, subscribe, and click that notification bell so you never miss an episode of Skiba News Nation. If you want to help support us, please consider becoming a Patreon, where you will get exclusive content, shoutouts, and much more. And you can also support our channel by getting yourself some new Skiba News Nation merch. Thank you for coming on this journey with us as we continue to stay on the quest for truth. Huge shout out to all our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for your support. We couldn't do this show without you. If you want to help support us, go to patreon.com forward slash Skiba News Nation. Also, you can listen to Skiba News Nation podcasts on your favorite podcast platform. what cost i want to know what the truth is and i hope that people my son anybody if my name comes up whether you like me whether you agree with me or not at least you can respect the fact that he's on a quest for truth he's on a quest for truth welcome to skiba news nation Bringing you unfiltered views, news, interviews, discussions, and more. And now, here's your host, Jeremiah Skiba, award-winning musician and son of Rob Skiba. Hey, Skiba News Nation family, welcome to episode 39 of Skiba News Nation. I'm your host, Jeremiah Skiba, and today we're going to be talking about thousands of people rushing over the border. Banks collapse. The collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. Secret Fed bailout. Making AI speak for the dead. Dutch farmers fight for their rights. Volcano blows up. Fauci freaks out over prosecution. An all new Opus Corner. And for history, we're going to be talking about the Zodiac Killer. Will I identify him? Did Norm Macdonald predict what happened on January 6th? Did someone create the first working lightsaber? And my dad schooling ABC live on TV. Memes and much more, so stay tuned. So as always, I'd like to introduce my great co-host, Jake Grant. Welcome, Jake. How are you doing? Doing great, Jeremiah. It's great to be here. We got some really interesting news this week that I'm really excited to talk about. But first, how are you? I'm doing all right. Yeah, th this week is going to be very telling in terms of the future financial security of pretty much the Western world. Uh, there's some big headlines we're going to cover, and I'm excited to get into it. All right, well, let's dive right in.
So starting off this week, I found this meme that I find very uh, poignant in terms of how it can apply to our lives personally. Uh, now, never become so thirsty that you drink from every cup presented to you. That's how you get poisoned. And over the past uh, couple episodes, we've talked about misinformation, disinformation, information that they give you to distract you from the information they don't want you to know. Uh, of course, this can relate also to uh, the medical topic we've covered over the past year, uh, two years of just uh, mass information censoring campaigns to keep people from talking about very important topics. And then now we have more censorship coming down the pipe uh, regarding uh, financial activities uh, here in the West. And we want to talk about that this week. But depending on what you have presented to you, information-wise, you have to make the decision whether to partake of that cup or mm. to be like, all right, well, I don't buy into the official narrative. I don't buy into what they're selling me. And uh, and that's why we can claim that we are proudly unpoisoned, <laughs> right? And it's not just because of the uh, medical information that was shoved down our throat that turned out to be propaganda, but this goes with every aspect of our life. You know, there are other things that can poison our minds, that can poison uh, how we view the world, that can distract us from the most important things. And so, uh, you know, be careful what cup you drink of. Absolutely. But that brings us into uh, a little bit of off track. We're going to get into more of the uh, interesting financial news, which this week is going to be very, very important to keep an eye on what decisions the Fed and the government make. Uh, but I know I'm foreshadowing that a little bit too much. Here's a clip of thousands of people storming the southern border that just recently happened. Check this out. Let's bring in Robert Henneke, the executive director of the Texas Public Policy Foundation. Great to have you, sir. Based upon that absolutely wild video, isn't it abundantly clear to you the message from this White House is still come on over, make that very dangerous journey to our border? Absolutely. Good morning, Todd. Ashley, uh, with Biden's open borders policies, it's an invitation for more of this lawlessness to happen, that while uh, illegal immigrants and especially the cartels know that those coming into this country illegally get to stay, all that's going to happen is to incentivize more of this kind of contact as everyone tries to get in. Uh, to be before the policies change. If the president doesn't shut the border down right now, I'm, I'm saying today, are we just going to continue to see problems like this and chaos like this unfold at the border and more frequently? We will, and it's more than just a physical barrier to prevent people from coming into this country illegally. The Biden administration has to change the policies that it's been operating. Just creating legal ways for people to come into this country illegally still only incentivizes it. But we have to turn off the magnet. We have to make it clear that if you come into the United States illegally, you do not get to stay. And when they do that, as was proven successful under the Trump administration, you're going to see a dramatic decrease in illegal immigration because it's not going to be worth it for people to pay the coyotes and cartels tens of thousands of dollars to come if they don't get to stay. On the one hand, this administration has encouraged migrants to make this journey. On the other hand, 
they're talking about family detention again, going back to previous policies. So what is the end game here with these hypocritical and inconsistent policies? Well, the end game is the 2024 election with the Biden administration being very aware of the political realities and the negative opinion about the Biden border crisis. And in its desperation to be uh, looking at the upcoming election, they're re-implementing these kind of policies that actually work in controlling illegal immigration. So you have uh, deafening silence from the left on the return to these policies. But I think the Biden administration is showing that uh, if everything else that it's doing has failed, it's needing to work back to actual enforcement to try to get control of the situation for its own political sake. Robert, what about the strain this is putting on Border Patrol? Because we already know that they're overwhelmed down there. But in this type of situation in particular, when they're having to put up physical barriers, um, you know people got in. So going forward, what can CBP do to really protect themselves and the border? Because it looks like it's just a lost cause. I mean, you see these people, it's complete chaos. Well, and that's a great question. And it's even more strain for the men and women, the brave men and women of Border Patrol that are there still on the front line, keeping in mind that this administration has pulled most of the Border Patrol agents off of the actual border, instead has moved them to processing illegal immigrants. So we have less men and women holding that line because their colleagues have been pulled off to other assignments. And that just makes it more dangerous for the Border Patrol agents that are still left there to defend our national border and to do the job that they were instructed to do. So more agents doesn't always mean more border security because this administration is just making them process illegal immigrants faster instead of keeping them out in the first place. And then moving air marshals to the border. All of it is just absolutely insane. Another area of hypocrisy from this White House on full display. So <laughs> it it's, looks almost like a party, if you know what I mean. Like yep. people are getting hyped down there. I don't know if you noticed that in the video, but they're just like, oh yeah, we're gonna go get some free Vs. Yeah, yep. they've probably been hammered by so much Western indoctrination and you know so many uh, mandates from the WHO. I know when my parents lived in Honduras, they were hardly able to get out of their house. They could go grocery shopping like one or two days a week, and they had to have like these color-coded time slots that they would go and be able to travel. Uh, and so all these people storming the border are probably like, you know, we got to get there because if I buy a donut, I can get a free, uh, you know, J&J, you know? <laughs> Oh That's man, crazy. It, it's it's crazy seeing uh, that happen. And um, honestly, uh, you know, in terms of immigration, uh, it's if only there were more avenues for people to legally become citizens of the United States. I know it's a long, expensive process, uh, but you know, it's really sad to see all these people, uh, you know, trying to flee into North America. Um, but then again, whenever you look at the policies at hand, it makes it almost profitable to come across and to live here and to be given housing and to be given stipends and whatever. Uh, and I know you down there in Texas, uh, you probably are a little bit closer to <laughs> some of the politics regarding this topic. But I just found that this video was interesting. And this is something that constantly kind of 
bubbles up to the news topic cycle. Yep. Uh, and, and, you know, once again, you know, what do we do? Uh, well, Trump wanted to build a wall. Biden says, let them in. Uh, in the end, uh, I think it's, it's just kind of it's something that we have to be aware that very, many other countries have a much tighter control over who can enter into their country and who can't. We see what happens in European countries when refugees came and lived in the, the society. They didn't abide by the laws. And so how can we expect these people who don't have a respect for our legal system to abide by laws here in the West um, without, you know, causing trouble um, if their first time entering into the country is in itself breaking a law. So yep. it's called illegal for a reason, right? Yeah. Yeah, that is. And, uh, you know, feel for these people. There definitely seem to be a need. But at the same time, the way that, uh, you know, they're charging the border, it looks like a party, man. I don't know about yep. you, but. It sure does. That brings us to our next news topic, which is the banking system's collapsing, basically. And let me just share some of this with you guys. If you aren't financially ready for this, make yourself aware this is going to be a wild ride. And uh, these are some pictures from around March 10th of the giant crash of many of the very important banks, uh, biggest banks in America. And you can see there was a bank run, and we're going to watch some news reports regarding this topic. But what is extremely interesting about this that I want to set us up for so that you guys can understand the impact is there are things like this happening. Just got off of a Zoom meeting with the Fed, Treasury, FDIC, House, and Senate. A Democratic senator essentially asked whether there was a program in place to censor information on social media that could lead to a run on the banks. Very interesting, right? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, check this out. DHS efforts are already underway to add censorship of financial misinformation to CISA's portfolio of critical infrastructure domains. It can classify tweets as a cyber attack on and thus censor. Uh, and then here he has the link below of how the spread of false and misleading information poses a significant risk to critical functions like elections, public health, and financial services and emergency response. So uh, this document here kind of preempted, this was filed back in June 2022, but... Uh, it's very interesting how this guy who reported a Democratic senator asking whether there's a program in place to censor information on social media that could lead to a run on the banks. Uh, he's referencing this document, and they're calling it misinformation or disinfo. Uh, and if you basically try to share a perspective that they deem dangerous, even if it's true, they can censor you. And it's it's a total uh, crapshoot in terms of the significant effect on freedom of speech. Uh, protecting critical infrastructure from misinformation and disinformation. Now we're going to get into the actual report of what's happening and why you should be paying attention to this financial collapse of the banks. Here's uh, the collapse of the Silicon Valley Bank is meant to control big tech usher in the central bank digital currency. Check this video out.
Hello and welcome to the Kim Iverson Show. Thank you so much for watching. So Friday, Silicon Valley Bank collapsed after widespread industry panic caused a run on the bank. Now try to put your disdain for Alita Silicon Valley sensor czars aside, and let's take a look at the bigger picture of what's happening because it's incredibly frightening. Essentially, the government is seeking to gain greater control over big tech, which will ultimately mean greater control over us. And we've seen what was revealed in the Twitter files, how the government infiltrated the big tech platform to censor Americans. We've seen how rollouts of things like ESG scores are being used to force companies to comply with a certain agenda or else. The government seizures of Silicon Valley Bank and subsequently the Signature Bank of New York should set off loud blaring alarm bells. Over 90% of tech startups bank with Silicon Valley Bank and interestingly, Coinbase, the largest crypto exchange in the U.S., just announced mere days ago its move to Signature Bank of New York. And then the government seized it. You want to control someone? Control their money. And do you know what the government blatantly states they want to do? Control big tech and control crypto. Coincidence? It's important to understand that Silicon Valley Bank was not insolvent. It was illiquid. There's a difference. Illiquid means it couldn't come up with the cash customers demanded at that very moment. And the reason they couldn't was because suddenly about 20 to 25% of the money the bank managed was being demanded by customers all at once. Now, no bank in America could handle that sort of demand. Any bank would go under in the event of a run of that magnitude. Unlike the banks in the 2008 crash, SVB didn't invest in risky assets or make bad loans with its customers' money. It actually did one of the least risky and supposedly safest things you could do with excess customer cash. It bought treasury bonds. Treasury bonds are guaranteed if you wait till maturity. Now, lots of banks hold bonds. In fact, the Fed recently encouraged banks to buy them rather than lend customer cash in order to get cash out of the system and into reserves in hopes it would reduce inflation. So many banks bought bonds. The Fed encouraged them by giving those banks who did what the Fed asked favorable status. Don't make loans or investments with customer deposits. That would just inject money into the system, causing further inflation. Instead, buy bonds so that the money is tied up somewhere else, which would then reduce inflation. Well, it tied up the money, all right. On top of giving the Fed their customers money at the behest of the Fed, the Fed then raised interest rates rapidly. That meant that those bonds were no longer worth what the banks paid for them. Now, that's one way to discourage a bank from coming along and cashing them out. Suddenly, Silicon Valley Bank needed that money back, but the bonds the Fed sold them were now worth less because the Fed devalued them. And the run got started because billionaire investor Peter Thiel saw the bank was over leveraged in bonds and called companies in his portfolio to strongly suggest that they bail out and bail out fast. Now, the bank actually would have been okay if the run hadn't happened or if the Fed actually did what the Fed was supposedly created to do, which is help prevent bank runs by injecting liquidity into a solvent bank when too many customers are demanding too much money all at once. The Fed injects liquidity into solvent banks all the time to help them out when needed. One would question that we should be one one question we should be asking is why didn't the Fed do it for this solvent bank this time? Why did the Fed let this solvent bank fail? Again, it wasn't because this bank made risky investments or bad loans. This bank bought bonds lots of them from the Fed. Now the Fed has the power to pick and choose when to help a bank and when to let it fail. And this was a bank with good assets and great clients. 
In fact, the biggest banks, the very banks who are the shareholders of the Federal Reserve, coveted the clients of SVB for a very long time and wanted nothing more but to gain Silicon Valley's business. And now they can because Silicon Valley Bank is gone. Now there will be further consolidation of smaller banks into the larger ones, making it all that much easier to roll out a central bank digital currency and social credit score for us all. Again, you want to control someone, control their money. And that's ultimately the end goal. So yes, what I'm telling you is the wiping out of Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank of New York look more like controlled demolitions than banks that went under for making bad investments, investments in U.S. Treasury bonds. What are they saying about those bonds? Now I get it. We don't want to bail out banks and insolvent banks should absolutely go under. And if bad actors are involved, they should go to jail. But let me assure you, this wasn't a bailout, nor would it have been if the Fed had just stepped in and prevented the run. Taxpayer money has nothing to do with this, nor will any of that cause inflation. That talk is just distraction from what's really happening. The consolidation of smaller banks into the bigger ones, attempting to force the most powerful and threatening entities like tech and crypto into banks under the thumb of those ushering in a very specific global agenda. And in turn, if you can control tech and control crypto, you can control the people. The Federal Reserve is a profitable private bank. Without printing new money or going to Congress for cash, it can buy and sell assets such as bonds from banks and it can lend its money out at any time. It has the power to inject liquidity into these two banks without creating any new dollars. It just chose not to. Instead, they chose to let the banks fail but kept their valuable clients afloat. Again, why? Because they want to move those clients. Where? To the bigger banks. Why? Because if everyone, especially the power players, are in the biggest banks, they can better easily be managed. This isn't about wealthy Silicon Valley liberals getting bailed out by the middle class taxpayer. This is another attempt to control big tech and crypto. There was another way. The Fed chose not to do it. They also know everybody would get lost and talk about bailouts and liberal elites. The optics of bailing out Silicon Valley Bank would be horrific. No one would want that. But they didn't want to, and they didn't. That wasn't the plan. Now, you can bet small banks are going to go under one by one with assets and accounts to be absorbed by the biggest banks you just wait. They're just going to do it systematically rather than through chaotic runs. The goal is to consolidate all the banks into the hands of a few, making it much easier to enforce ESG scores and create a central bank digital currency. And when that happens, they gain a lot more power, especially if they're controlling big tech and crypto. And that is the goal. I find it very interesting what she was talking about here because mm -hmm. did you know there's an Illuminati playing card? Now, give me your reaction on this, Jeremiah. Check this out. It says, uh, place, uh, bank merger, right, is the picture. And it's a, a each currency eating a smaller currency. <sighs> and it's representative of what we're seeing this week yep. with kind of the moves to consolidate all of the the money and the finances into these big central bank powers that can then easily control the people who are part of their system so that's crazy. Uh, check this i mean it's literally an illuminati playing card called bank merger <laughs> and i know sometimes it's a hit or miss with these cards but it is interesting whenever you see things like this and and then whenever it ties into the whole misinformation disinformation campaign and we see things like the continuing links between CISA's domestic censorship subcommittee and prominent CIA officials and CIA-linked censorship 
advisory institutes like the Hartford Belfer Center. Uh, you know, some of this stuff is pretty alarming. And, and then, of course, you know, when the government accuses you of spreading disinformation while being the biggest liar you know, wait a minute, <laughs> what are they trying to pull on us with this topic? You know, and so back to how I started off today's news segment, what cup are we going to drink from? Uh, are we going to just buy into like, oh, this was all unplanned. Oh, they didn't mean for this bank to collapse. Oh, we're just heading towards financial insecurity, right? Or is this what they wanted all along? Have they been planning for these lesser banks to collapse all along so that they consolidate power, consolidate the finances of the world, and then can implement, uh, you know, a mark of the beast synonymous thing? Pictures like this, uh, people are posting like the downage detector of all these different uh, sites uh, and credit card companies. Uh, I find it interesting that the same time some of these uh, runs were happening and people were kind of pulling their trust away from the financial systems that they've invested in. Uh, at the same time, there's also almost a parallel graph with internet outages, mm. which I, I don't know the exact uh, parallel, but in terms of this link with censorship that I'm trying to establish and them trying to control the narrative of what all of this means for you and me, isn't it interesting that Reddit and you know all these different sites had outages and server issues uh, the same week that the graph looked very similar for all the banks? Isn't yep. that interesting? I don't it's, know. It's almost too interesting. Like it, it's uh, too too coincidental. I think you can't deny. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh man, it. You know, here's a here's another meme here. Uh, <laughs> when the banks are collapsing, but you got negative four dollars and thirty seven cents in the bank, you have no power here. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I mean, they can't hurt you really if you're not invested in their system. Yeah. You know, but. <laughs> We're, we're being reassured by the government. The banking system remains resilient and stable. And then the banking system represented by Biden falling down the stairs, you know, or, or a guy collapsing in a bike heap. Oh, man. And, uh, you know, that brings us to our next video on this same topic. This is such a big deal. We really need to kind of dig into it to fully understand the significance. But let's look into first... She mentioned what caused the run. Here's a deeper investigation on the SVB execs that sold millions before the bank run even happened. Check this video out. So let's take a look at this. Go ahead and put this up on the screen. So we have this idea that, oh, they, um, you know, they didn't, they're not able to cash in. The shareholders and executives are completely wiped out. Okay, well... Well, before the collapse, it turns out, executives were selling shares um, and at quite a rapid clip here. This is in from, from Unusual Whales. It's actually in response to that Mitt Romney tweet that we put up before. And they say, Mitt, this may interest you. Before the collapse, executives sold shares. Gregory Becker, the CEO, sold 11% of his shares on February 27th. Michael Zucker, uh, who was their general counsel, 19%. Daniel Beck, the CFO, 32%. Michelle Draper, the CMO, 25%. So when you hear people saying, well, they wow. got the executive's management got completely wiped down, well... They took their gains and locked them in before the thing collapsed. So they're going to be just fine. Not only that, put this next piece up on the screen from CNBC. 
Silicon Valley Bank employees received bonuses literally hours before the government takeover. Now, I've seen a lot of people say, oh, well, this was for work that they did oh, in 2022, yeah. Almost like they knew it was okay, going to happen. Come on. Yeah. Hours before the government takes over, you're doling out cash bonuses, which, again, could be going to those depositors to help make them whole. No. Okay. Um, got one more for you, though, and uh, we had David Sirota do uh, a piece on this over the weekend because I thought it was so important, but I want to make sure that we highlight this for you as well because this is as key a part of the story as anything else. Put this up on the screen. Silicon Valley Bank, their chief actually pressed lawmakers to weaken bank risk regulations. This was under the Trump administration. Um, you had, I think, every Republican and something like uh, 60 or 17 Democrats, 12, 60, 17, I've got the numbers here, let me mm -hmm. see, um, vote for this as well. But effectively, the head of Silicon Valley Bank, one of the guys who just cashed in on his, uh, his shares before the bank collapsed, he went and pushed legislators to exempt more banks, including his own, from new regulations that were passed under Dodd-Frank Dodd in reaction to the 2008 financial crisis. And by the way, it was successful. So the fact that they got these regulations loosened meant that they were not subject to the same level of stress tests that they would have been otherwise. Um, he argued that SVB's deep understanding of the markets that they serve and their strong risk management practices um, would it would lead to them being just fine. Um, they said without changing the regulations, SVB would need to divert significant resources pro providing financing to job creating companies in the innovation economy to complying with enhanced prudential standards and other requirements. Quote, given the low risk profile of our activities and business model, such a result would stifle stifle our ability to provide credit to our clients without any meaningful corresponding reduction in risk. So he argued, we're totally risk-free. We've got deep knowledge of this industry. We're good to go. We don't need all these stress tests. It was successful, supported here with 50 Republicans and 17 Democrats. And they faced, because of that, fewer stress tests and other regulations than they otherwise would have been required to face. Yeah, so they weren't even on the trouble bank list, so the FDIC didn't have full visibility into their books. Not only that, but the SVB CEO was actually on the board of the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco. He had to resign after the immediate collapse of his own bank. This was a deeply connected person. Uh, I'm rereading the Too Big to Fail book right now by Andrew Ross Sorkin, written, I think it was written in 2009, just a recap of everything that happened in 2008. And it's like, it all rhymes. It's all the same yeah. like all these guys were deeply interconnected they had the cell phones of hank paulson and of tim geithner and the financial system stepped in immediately to broker deals to save them uh in their view they were saving the economy and in many people's view they were saving themselves and saving their bonuses and 401ks but here's the thing like at the end of the day, the idea that these people were able to dole out, and in some cases, we're talking here about $140,000 in bonuses per employee, some $20,000 bonuses for lower level. Who knows what the management was given? Now, was it given in cash or in stock? If it was given in cash, every single one of those things needs to get paid back. Sorry. I mean, it's impossible, the idea that you can just be doling out cash at the end 
That's like the story of Bernie Madoff, who was giving out $100 million bonuses on the very last day before he was about to turn himself into the feds because he wanted to make sure he could dispel all this cash before he was going to go into jail. All of their behavior lines up. You're really going to tell me the 2022 bonus had to be processed on the very day right. of the failure. You're really going to sit here and say that you didn't know that the bank was in serious trouble when you were selling up to 32% of all your stock holdings in the company because that's the vast majority of your comp. That's hard-earned cash, which was pocketed from investors into your pocket, of which you then are now saying, oh, woe is me. It was I had no idea that it was all coming. This is corruption, pure and simple. It's it's very interesting how this all went down. Uh, is this the first domino that the the big bankers uh, have always wanted? We are in the midst of a banker war, a yep. banker war, uh, the big fish eat little fish type situation. And you know, I, there was this funny tweet on a uh, Twitter account named Cat Turd, <laughs> uh, but <laughs> what it says is actually very interesting. The Rob Peter to pay Paul Biden regime. Gas prices explode after shutting down U.S. production. Just drain the oil reserves. No problem. Inflation. Don't include gas and food in the inflation numbers. Crime. FBI leaves off L.A. and New York City in the crime stats. Two consecutive quarters of negative growth. Oh, just change the definition of a recession. (laughs) Bank collapse. What we're dealing with now. Close trading for banks at opening bell. Meanwhile, let's send billions to Ukraine and spend billions and millions on illegals crossing our wide open southern border. Wrapping up all of our news stories today that, you know, the southern border and the the banks and Ukraine and, oh, all mirror tricks lies passing the buck, which is going to result in a total economic collapse which it seems like is what they want to happen. I mean, if you remember what 2021's World Economic Forum title was, it was the Great Reset, right? right. Well, it kind of looks like they're trying to implement it now, man. And uh, and that leads us to the whole Rob Peter to pay Paul uh, aspect of this bank collapse. Here's this next video of a secret Fed bailout pumping billions into these banks. Check this out. Let's go to the second part here. This is important as well, and that we've been trying to make people understand. The extent of covering just the deposits is in some sense the least, uh, like the least objectionable part of the bailout. Let's go ahead and put this up there on the screen. So the, given the new Federal Reserve bailout, the big four US banks have now gotten a $210 billion federal bailout. How? Because the Fed's new facility allows banks to borrow against the negative collateral value that is shown here at par instead of at market value. So once again, they are able to borrow at par on their securities and assets instead of the losses that they rightfully should take on assets that they bought purely in order to increase the amount of uh, capital to cover their deposits. That is a bailout. There's no other way to describe it. Effectively, the Federal Reserve is saying you do not have to account your business in the same way that every other business on the planet has to yeah. because you're too big to fail. Yes. That is the I mean the greatest gift once you know that we can try and expound is when the feds and specifically the Federal Reserve here are allowing these accounting gimmicks to play, take place at all of these banks, they now operate fundamentally different than any other business 
in the entire country with a massive advantage and gift. And there is no current there is no current regulation, there is no current law crystal that they cannot use this to this tremendous advantage and they can't pay themselves out bonuses tomorrow. They could pay themselves out bonuses in three months. The ability to survive is everything in business. So if you survive this and then you start making tremendous profits, you think they're gonna pay any of this back? Like you think they're gonna pay some sort of fine or anything? If anything, they're just gonna pass on the FDIC's, FDIC fees to all of us customers and then they will increase even more of their profits and they're gonna either pay dividends out or they're gonna buy back their own shares or they're gonna pay themselves out big bonuses. Yeah, the other piece of this, and let's go ahead and put this next piece up on the screen from the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> All right, so the Fed had been engaging in this policy of uh, monetary policy tightening, hiking interest rates with the stated explicit goal of, uh, of crushing wages and spiking unemployment, okay? Now, let's keep in mind that the actions that the Fed and the president just took were in the opposite direction when it was the jobs of a certain group of Silicon Valley entrepreneurs and their employees, well, then they had to make sure there were no job losses. But the overall policy remains, we need higher unemployment and we need lower wages. Okay, so they are getting ready to decide what they're gonna do in terms of a rate hike, rate decrease, or keeping things the same. The Wall Street Journal headline here is, Fed's magical accounting might save banks, but doom rate increases. Um, they go on to say there are plenty of lessons for investors in the collapse of SVB and other banks. So now there's a big question about, okay, well, so this entire bailout is, you know, goes in the direction of monetary easing. So it's the polar opposite direction of what the Fed has been trying to do in terms of um, getting inflation under control, although we've discussed on this program ad nauseum how the Fed hiking rates is an incredibly blunt tool that doesn't have any guarantee of success at even getting inflation under control. It's going to be very painful for a lot of people, especially if they spark a recession. And lo and behold, thus far, their moves have not actually gotten inflation under control. And, you know, we still stand that risk of a recession. So what are they going to do now? The analysis seems to be kind of all over the map. I've seen some people even saying, oh, maybe they're going to actually um, not only stay in the same place in terms of rates, maybe they're actually going to go in the polar opposite direction because they're worried about banks and their um, financial soundness. Maybe they're going to continue on the path of rate hikes, even though this is like directly at odds with these other actions that they just took. Maybe they're going to just keep rates where they are right now and see what happens. So it's really pretty up in the air now of what the Fed is going to decide to do. So, you know, that just kind of summarizes what the decisions have happening this week are whether they raise rates or lower rates uh, if they go one route it kind of dooms the smaller banks and helps consolidate if it goes the other route we're very quickly going towards the route of inflation and the dollar uh, being you know devalued which we know that there's a attack on the US dollar as the reserve currency of the world that's why I think they're very quickly trying to consolidate all this power and money into a central bank digital currency so that they can very easily implement controlling measures. But what we're seeing here this week is pretty much the dominoes uh, that have to fall for this to get kickstarted and to happen soon. Uh, so, Jeremiah, I just want to get some of your thoughts on this whole crazy bank conspiracy, uh, bank war that we're witnessing this week. What are some of your thoughts? It's very scary. Very, very scary stuff. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be, 
I mean, they're, they're, they're going to control us. They're going to try to, con I mean, they're trying to control us, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, it's not too much to be alarmed of if unless you have hundreds of thousands of dollars in the stock market or invested in one of these banks that are, you know, very quickly having financial solvency issues. Uh, yeah, like I showed that meme, the guy had negative $4 and 83 cents and he was like, your power has no control here. <laughs> so, I mean, people like us, we don't have too much to worry about. However, as the system collapses, what is then offered as a replacement for the system that we all know and have used is where they often kind of get you to sign on the dotted line and sell your soul, right? Is the mm -hmm. things that replace the systems that fall is that whole phoenix out of the ashes moment where we have to be very careful once again going back to my whole starting picture be careful of what cup you drink from because they'll be like oh we have to do this to make sure that the west stays financially solvent that make sure that people can have trust in their banking systems uh so please take this new alternative that we're going to suggest you participate in and that's where they then get you to sign on the dotted line so you sell your firstborn son and give them their your soul on thursdays you know the whole like crazy thing that they're you know able to implement with these social credit scores and all this stuff this is where it starts to make sense for them to implement it for the everyday person uh, whenever they have to you know come in and, and patch the holes of the very ship that they are sinking yep so it's crazy all right so let's move on to some other uh news we just got a couple stories to chomp through here that i think you guys will find interesting opa sent me this one actually this week it's uh, very interesting a canadian catholic student is arrested and charged after saying men and women are different how embarrassing right i well, heard about uh, this yeah <laughs> Okay, so a, a kid who's at a Christian school is a, arrested for having Christian-based beliefs. Arrested for holding Christian beliefs at a Christian school? Canadian Catholic high school student Josh Alexander claims that the story behind authorities arresting and charging him for trying to attest, uh, attend class last month. So he's, uh, of course, in Canada, in Ontario, so they got a little bit more uh, dastardly policies there of, you know, censoring speech uh but check this picture out you know the, he shows up they basically told him that uh to summarize so we don't read through the whole thing that he wasn't allowed to attend classes after arguing men and women are different and he shows up to class you know anyways and then because of that he was then given a uh, a, a, a trespass order and the cops came in and, and arrested him which is crazy uh that this is happening um, anyways, he said his argument was female students complained to me that they were concerned because males were using their washrooms. This turned into a debate at school, and I stated my opinion on it, and I used scripture to back it up. Well, guess what? They removed him from the building for the remainder of the year, and when he attempted to attend class, he was arrested and charged. So, uh, Out of school that claims to be Christian or Catholic, that's, I mean, makes no sense. Makes no exactly. sense. Exactly. Exactly. It's so crazy. All right. That leads us to a uh, very similar themed uh, topic. Uh, the office actor, Rain Wilson, admits there is anti-Christian bias in Hollywood following The Last of Us episode. 
Uh, I kept up with the Last of Us series. It's kind of like a new take on the zombie apocalypse, uh, pushing some really heavy-handed kind of like homosexual agenda stuff, pushing uh, some really anti-Christian bias in the show. Uh, like one of the episodes had like a totally deranged Christian, you know, supposed Christian pastor who's a cannibal. Uh, you know, Hollywood is getting worse and worse. But here's what Rain Wilson says. Um, he made the comment regarding the penultimate episode of The Last of Us. In episode eight, when we are in need, the show's main character, Ellie, encounters a group of survivors led by a cult leading cannibal who keeps quoting the Bible. Uh, I don't think there is an anti-Christian bias in Hollywood as soon as David character in The Last of Us started reading from the Bible, I knew that he was going to be a horrific villain uh, Wilson wrote on Twitter could there be a Bible reader preacher on a show who's actually loving and kind? Well, not because uh, <laughs> no because Hollywood's trying to taint the view of people uh, who read the Bible and have fundamental uh, beliefs in keeping you know the scriptures and anybody who is depicted is often a evil crazy horrific villain right well norm mcdonald so said that many times norm yes. would always say that so i guess it's true you know norm was tapped into stuff man he knew and uh, as a comedian you know and the art of telling the uncomfortable truths he exposed some of this stuff but isn't it crazy? Could there be a Bible reading preacher on a show who is actually loving and kind? <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, on to our next story here. Uh, we have some interesting things how the FDA has updated the fact sheet for J&J's CV to include a warning about the risk of myocarditis as a side effect. Oh, how about that? It's about time. You know, those inserts that people would receive in the box and they would be completely blank regarding these mRNA uh, Vs. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, of course J&J &J claims that they were not an mRNA, but this is the same case with uh, the Moderna and the Pfizer as well. Um, but it's it's crazy uh, that, you know, all of these uh, things that are starting to come out uh, become pretty uh, telling as they change the narrative going forward they then act like we're the stupid ones for participating we're the ones who engaged in an untested uh, experimental medical procedure and then they are like oh you're surprised that you have uh, you know side effects well you should have read the fine print haha <laughs> Well, the thing is, is they add the fine print after the fact and then act like it's there the whole time. Check this out. When those side effects kick in, come on back and we'll sell you something for those as well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's exactly what they're trying to do with, yep. uh, with medical... Uh, <laughs> that's what they're trying to do with the pharmaceutical industry in today's world, and it's quite alarming. Uh, but... On to our next uh, interesting news topic. Uh, on March 14th, a Russian Su-27 jet collided with a U.S. Reaper drone over the Black Sea in international airspace over international waters. So uh, just something to keep aware of. Pretty alarming. This happened yesterday as of recording this video on Wednesday. Uh, you know, these are the things that cause tension uh, in terms of these great military powers. Uh, 
Uh, so just be aware that something like that's happening and uh, there's going to be, you know, some fallout. Yeah. You know. Next story. Uh, here's a, a post that was released on March 9th. Um, and it's the Twitter file statement to Congress, and, and it's tied to our topic of the censorship of the industrial complex. And, uh, and in regards to how just recently they're releasing the inserts for the medical experiment, right? Uh, the true contents, which might provoke hesitancy, I'm going to have to censor myself now, oh my goodness. Uh, viral posts of individuals expressing V hesitancy or stories of true V side effects. This content is not clearly mis or disinformation, but it may be malinformation. Oh, well, another term to dis, you know, distinguish types of information. We have misinformation. We have disinformation. We have malinformation now. Exaggerated or misleading. Also included in this bucket are often true posts, which could fuel hesitancy such as an individual country's banning certain Vs. Guys, this is so crazy. Uh, and, you know, when you follow down this uh, this Matt Tybee, uh, he's been releasing a lot of these Twitter files that people are getting all worked up about. When Twitter files reporters were given access to Twitter's internal documents last year, we first focused on the company, which at times acted like a power above the government in their censorship. Mm -hmm. But... Twitter has more like a partner to the government. And that's where we referenced earlier the CIA's involvement with censorship. Uh, with other tech firms, it held a regular industry meeting with FBI and DHS and developed a formal system of receiving thousands of content reports from every corner of the government. Uh, <clears throat> guys, there is so many things happening right now. I think uh, it has been a very revealing thing, these Twitter files. Um, Many were obvious misinformation-like accounts urging people to vote the day after an election. But other official disinfo reports had shakier reasoning. The highlighted Twitter analysis here disagrees with the FBI about accounts deemed as a proxy of Russian actors, which is often the argument against people that are speaking truth that they just want shut up, right? Oh, they're Russian misinformation terrorists trying to skew how we want people to view the world. Yeah. All right, whatever. Well, the evidence is becoming overwhelming how there's been a collusion to censor the freedom of speech of the American people, of media, of press. And uh, oftentimes it's been backed by the government, yeah. uh, which has been funded by Big Pharma, uh, by, you know, all these different topics that are being sequestered away. So uh, it's just, it's something to be aware of, you know, and, and it, it's pretty crazy. Um, here's, uh, for example, Elon Musk talking about uh, the January 6th riots after some of that extra footage came out. We reported on this in one of our previous episodes. Uh, but he says the Capitol Police literally opened the Senate chamber door for him on camera, talking about uh, Jacob Chansley, uh, the mm -hmm. QAnon shaman. Uh, but who are you going to believe? Instagram fact checkers or your own lying eyes. And then whenever you look at what his actual uh, post is being fact-checked on, uh, it's it's saying, fact-check, no evidence Jacob Chansley, the QAnon shaman, was led through the Capitol by police the entire time he was in the building on January 6th. 
and then we just watched the video literally last week of them like ushering him in. Yet they fact checked it as false. Uh, here's more fact checking. Uh, PolitiFact. Evidence refutes Tucker Carlson's claim about Capitol Police acting as tour guides to the QAnon shaman. So don't believe what your eyes can see. Believe what the narrative tells you to believe. Yeah, and, and it's so uh, biased <laughs> too. Oh yeah, it's so, so biased. So biased. It's crazy. So just quickly, let's touch on ChatGPT. Uh, it is now being touted as a milestone in establishing Qualcomm as an AI company, the CEO says. And uh, it's interesting how popular ChatGPT became in recent months. And the reason I wanted to point this out is an, an interesting tie with the application of AI and our experience with the online world. Check this out. Uh, how do you reduce a population without scaring the rest into action until it's too late? Well, keep us isolated and interacting with machines. And here's a uh, anonymous post. Uh, I'm a meta insider working on Project Lazarus, right? The guy who was brought back from the dead by Christ, right? Yep. And he says, we're building an AI that can take over a deceased person's social media account and continue making relevant posts as if that person is still alive. This includes age progress photos, interacting with other people's content, and everything else needed so that person continues on. That's, Whoa. That's scary. That is some scary and stuff. This is how AI would be applied to you and me interacting with people that may have kicked the bucket and then nobody, you know, if there's a mass population die-off, for example, AI could make us think everything's going well. Yep. And, and I don't know how accurate this assumption is, but just the, the aspect of what ChatGPT is, how intelligent it seems to be, and kind of mimicking anybody that you plug into it of like, hey, speak to me in the voice of, uh, Albert Einstein, speak to me in the voice of a famous preacher, speak to me in the voice of this or that. If their technology can then mimic you and me, if we're taken off the map and we keep posting, nobody's going to ever question if we are gone. You know, of course, our immediate family would know. Yeah. But it's just so interesting that it's kind of creating a type of immortality for people based on their online presence. Yeah. And. Yeah. It, it's just very uh, it, it gets my eyebrows raising if you know what I mean <laughs> so uh, this brings us to our next video uh, which is the Dutch farmer rebellion rising again against the crazy environmental agenda that's being pushed on the world check this out it's leftish uh, rubbish. Um, the real aim here is to get rid of our farmers for some leftish nitrogen kind of agenda and to, to make room for even more non-Western immigrants, asylum seekers, and build houses and, and centers for them. And um, um, it's something that, that, that is totally different than um, the, the current elite um, is, uh, is uh, telling uh, the people. This is Callum Smiles for Rebel News here in The Hague on the day of the Dutch farmers protest. Now the Dutch farmers are having to protest because the government simply will not back down 
with their radical, dramatic, nitrogen emission reducing policies, all in the name of climate change, which is sure to cripple many farmers. Now behind me is a secret meeting location where both Dutch farmers and truckers have met just before the protest starts. Now, some of the Dutch farmers are having to head towards a separate demonstration on a beach because the authorities have threatened them with both time in jail and a four and a half thousand euro fine for attending today's protest. Many of the farmers are financially suffering already, so they couldn't risk being prosecuted and fined by the police. While some headed to the beach, I decided to stay with the rest of the group before they set off for the protest. So here at the farmer and trucker meeting point, there is an excited yet nervous atmosphere as the police are making it very difficult for the convoys to move. One of the convoys has already been stopped by the police and now the truckers behind me, they're planning what is the best route to get towards Zuda Park without police interference. So we're heading towards Zuda Park now, but the farmers and truckers have decided to do it in smaller groups because the police have already stopped one convoy. This behind me is my transport, so I'm gonna go get in. Whilst I drove with Johan, my producer followed in a car as part of the convoy, so I took the time to ask Johan about the protest. So we, we wanted to go to the Sudapite, but um, probably they, uh, we, we never ever will arrive. They won't, they won't let us. They have, um, they have so fucking many uh, police, uh, policemen, um, ME, mobile, um, the, 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 the task force, and uh, they have hired big water, uh, water tanks uh, from, from Germany. Yeah, they are, they, they want, they want an escalation. So you think the government, are they're actually trying to get you to be violent, to justify oh, yeah. tougher measures? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I asked Johan if all this was coming from the Dutch government. Who do you think decides all this? If the World Economic Forum, uh, Klaus Schwab, uh, these are the people, but uh, it, it is the, actually it is the elite. It is the 1% elite, the 1% elite who wants to have control. It's all about control of the humans. After a bit of a bumpy ride, we arrived at Zuda Park. When I was driving here with Johan in his tractor, he was telling me how a lot of the farmers have been scared into doing this, to attend this protest today, because one of the things the government have done is that they've said tractors will be, will be fined, not truckers. So it's almost like they've found a nice legal loophole to make sure plenty of people arrive for today's protest. <laughs> so we finally made it to Zyder Park, much to the surprise of my tractor driver, Johan. The police encountered us in the road, they stopped us and said, you can't be here. And he simply told them, yes, I can, and drove on. So despite the authorities' best efforts to prevent people from coming here today, as you can quite clearly see behind me, they have failed and failed miserably as people are still turning up across the field over there. There are thousands of people here 
tractor drivers are told if they come here they will face fines up to four and a half thousand pounds and yet tractor drivers have still turned up i'm gonna go mingle with the crowd and ask them exactly why they think it's important to be here do you think the dutch uh, nitrogen emission reducing policies will cripple farmers Yes, of course, yes. We are from a region, Friesland, the best region in Holland, by the way. But um, we see the farmers around us and we know how important uh, our farmers are. How, how will we eat if we don't produce food? But also for all those families, they are there for, for centuries. It's their country. They, 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 they made it. They, they made it bloom, you know. What do you make of the Dutch government's nitrogen emission reducing policies? It's all bullshit, man. They're lying to us. They're lying to our faces. They're trying to steal the companies from the farmers. And they're trying to take our freedom away from us. And if they go ahead with it, what sort of impact do you think it'll have to just the normal people in, in the Netherlands? Well, already there's already a million people that are living under poverty level. So I think that will be worse. Um, and I think that people will get fed up and they will come into protest. We covered the 15-minute cities in a recent Skiba News Nation discussion. And this is just another avenue of them using environmental arguments to infringe upon people's rights. And, uh, of course, you see we got some pretty uh, based Dutch people over there who knows mm -hmm. what's up, right? Yeah. Uh, enjoyed some of what those farmers were saying. But... It's just uh, it's interesting to see all these avenues that the WHO, the WEF, the Bilderberger groups that are they're using so many areas to just sweep the rug out from under the whole world. It's if it's not medical, it's environmental. If it's not environmental, it's financial. If it's not financial, it's identity politics. Like there are so many ways they are attacking. Uh, just our liberties and in, in using their plans to cause this gr global reset to consolidate power uh, these politicians that are aiding and abetting them uh, need to be uh, ousted uh, and I don't know if it's too late to do that sometimes I just think that our only option is to build society outside of these systems which are allowing this stuff to come about because all the people who are getting elected in are participating. So how much longer can we just bow our necks to these political figures that are allowing this to go on when it's becoming so obvious that there's an agenda that's using the environmental topic to control and coerce well-meaning farmers and people out of their livelihood? Well, we must rebel, right? There are more of us than there are of them. Yeah, I mean, that's what they're afraid of is the, the army of ants, you know, against the big grasshopper, right? And, uh, oh, man, it's it's just, you know, sometimes when we cover all these topics, it, it's overwhelming. But once again, you know, we have to keep focused on the most important thing. You know, focus on your walk, your family, uh, building better alternatives to what the system we are currently in is offering us so that whenever the cups offered to us, we don't drink the poison. So uh, here's just a, a short clip of a recent volcano that erupted. I found this very fascinating. Check out.
March 11, around 12 o'clock local time, Mount Merapi erupted in Indonesia. This is the most active volcano in the country lo located in the island of Java near the city of Yogyakarta. The volcano released clouds of ash and gas up to 7 km high. There was a lava flow above slope. The eruption left the sand and covered many villages with ash. About a quarter of a million people live within 10 kilometers of the volcano. Residents living in the slopes of Merapi were advised to keep a distance of 7 kilometers from the crater. Tourism and mayor have been halted. Wow. All right, that's enough of the footage there. Uh, Where is that? <laughs> I, this is in Indonesia. That is Volcano Merapi. Whoa. And uh, that just exploded. You can see it just the whole town surrounding that area were just covered in ash. And, and the reason I wanted to show that is because I have a question, and I wonder what your opinion is. You know, we have the uh, recent toxic spill and hmm. uh, the trail derailment in ohio with all those toxic fumes going out i wonder comparatively what was more detrimental to people's health a volcano exploding or you know the the ohio train derailment because i mean you're you're releasing massive amounts of fumes and sulfur and stuff when a volcano explodes and then we have you know the ohio train derailment people being diagnosed with chemical exposure and bronchitis and medical professionals are suspecting that people's headaches and rashes and respiratory problems are related to the hazardous chemicals in East Palestine. However, when I compare that smoke plume that came up from the trail train derailment to the smoke plume of a literal volcano exploding, I was just like, huh, I wonder, I mean, volcanoes regularly explode across the world they'll they'll erupt uh and it has to release enormous amounts of deadly fumes and gases and toxins and stuff and it makes me wonder <clears throat> what's the difference between those toxic fumes and the toxic fumes we have in ohio or are, are are they making a bigger deal uh than they need to or are the chemicals that were released in ohio different and much worse than any chemicals that you might see coming out of a literal volcano explosion uh, because the, the smoke plume of the volcano seemed way bigger and uh, and if it could be comparable uh, you know those fumes going into the atmosphere to what happened to in Ohio uh, it's I know it's totally different events totally different circumstances but I mean what happens after you know other volcanoes have erupted did those fumes just poison the whole area and everybody got all of these you know ailments uh or you know what is the kind of the the weight we put on what happened in ohio and is this just another argument for the epa to come and you know seize poisoned lands uh is it just a kind of a a a situation where it looks terrible it's terrible for people that lived in East Palestine, but are we giving too much fear to the topic of this chemical explosion, right? Uh, and, and are we giving away our liberties because we're so afraid and we're saying, oh, EPA, come save us. Oh, FEMA, come set up your camp so that we can give you 
our lands because you claim they're poisoned forever, right? Mm. So that was just some of my thoughts that this volcano had me thinking of. Well, I mean, one and, was created uh, by man, one was created by man, and one was created by our creator. So what do you think is going to be more detrimental to your health? Probably the man-made one. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Those are just my, my opinions. <laughs> well, um, on more man-made created poison, uh, we have a, a clip here of Fauci freaking out over possible prosecution accusations. I know uh, Elon good. Musk changed his Twitter uh, pronouns to prosecute slash Fauci. <laughs> and so I, I, I think this reaction is very interesting. Fauci actually uses his family as a way of defending himself against very uh, plausible claims to his kind of involvement in the whole pandemic and any nefarious cover-ups or censorship that spawned out of Fauci. Let's check this video out and see if there's anything to it. All right, Tiger, what are you looking at? Well, if you had asked me three years ago in the middle of lockdown whether we're still debating the origin of COVID, I would have said that you were nuts. Clearly, it would have been settled. And yet, March of 2023 may go down as one of the most significant times in COVID history, as when the truth actually began to come to light. For nearly two years, a stalemate was reached where people who were banned from social media for the lab leak theory had their accounts restored. The media basically ignored the reams of evidence and emails that showed a full-scale cover-up by Dr. Fauci, by Peter Daszak, the NIH, and the scientific community of lab leak, and it seemed that we would all just, quote, never know. But then the Republicans actually won a slight majority in the House of Representatives. Things began to shift. The GOP had made it known it wasn't going to drop its investigation on Dr. Fauci and the origin of COVID. Thus, the intelligence community began to prepare documents they knew inevitably would be subpoenaed. Lo and behold, it turned out that for literally months, the Energy Department and the FBI were sitting on direct intelligence assessments that COVID did in fact leak from the lab. This was extraordinary and yet met with the typical treatment by the media. Oh, it was only low confidence. Oh, but other intelligence agencies don't agree, as if all intel agencies are created equally. Again, it's worth noting that the Energy Department people who came up to this conclusion are the only ones tasked with actual lab safety. Perhaps even more unsurprising, the recent revelations have caused the supposedly retired Dr. Fauci to come out of hiding to defend his reputation and his life's work. Gain of function research. Fauci, we need to remember, was a chief proponent of gain of function research at the NIH. He personally overturned the Obama ban on gain of function. He funneled millions of dollars to his pet projects, to scientists across the United States, and to the Wuhan lab to not only continue it, but expand gain of function after the pandemic. The lab leak itself is not just about how COVID started, as important as that is. It's about protecting his scientific legacy. The idea that scientists can play God, that they can bioengineer viruses and engineer the cures for future pandemics. But as Dr. Redfield laid out, the former CDC director in his most recent testimony, gain of function has never, to his knowledge, been used to stop a pandemic. Instead, it most likely is the one that started that one of the worst pandemics in modern history. Let's take a listen again. So one, one other path of questioning for you, Dr. Rickfield. Proponents of this research claim it may result in or maybe even stop a pandemic. Dr. Redfield, has gain of function created any life-saving or therapeutics to your knowledge? Not to my knowledge. Has gain of function stopped a pandemic to, in your opinion? No, on the contrary, I think it probably caused the greatest pandemic our world has seen. Do you find any tangible benefits uh, to gain of function research at this time? I personally don't, but I do want to stress, I think the men and women that support it 
are people of good faith because they truly believe it's going to lead to a potential benefit. I disagree with that assessment. This, more than anything, was what Fauci could not stand, and his full-fledged media campaign immediately kicked into high gear. He played the game where he went on Fox to pretend he was going to get asked real questions, but picked host Neil Cavuto, who, I guess, let's just say, been very sympathetic to the Fauci throughout his tenure on Fox. Let's take a listen to that interview. Take me out of the picture, Neil, and look at a, a whole array of virologists and scientists to do research that's absolutely critical for the health of the country. Some of that involves manipulating organisms. You want to call it gain of function. It really is not in many respects, but when it is, it needs to be very well regulated. If you shut off all gain of function research, did you get the flu shot this year, Neil? I if did. you did, and you got it from an influenza that was gain of function that made that influenza so vaccine. That is what it's all about. The entire thing is about protecting the scientific funding mechanism he created with his cronies and labs across this country. Conveniently is also used by big pharma companies, like he said, to create flu and other that are routinely taken by millions across this country. Maybe it's right, maybe it's wrong. Something we have learned unequivocally though from all of this, you cannot trust them. You have to distrust, verify, look at the data that you've just verified and then verify it's the real data to make sure that what they're telling you is real. And the real crescendo, though, of the Fauci media campaign came in his second home, CNN's Jim Acosta show on this weekend. Let's take a listen. We've seen Elon Musk tweet that his pronouns, uh, he's the owner of Twitter, that his pronouns are prosecute uh, Fauci. Others in the GOP have talked about arresting you and prosecuting you um, for your handling of COVID. What's your response to that, uh, your response to Musk? And, and what has that been like for your family? Well, I mean, there's no response to that craziness, Jim. I mean, prosecute me for what? What are they, what are they talking about? <laughs> I mean, I wish I could figure out what the heck they were talking about. I think they're just going off the deep end. That's the answer to your first question. It doesn't make any sense to say something like that, and it actually is irresponsible. Of course, it's going to have a difficult effect and a deleterious effect on my family. I mean, they don't like to have me getting death threats all the time. Every time somebody gets up and spouts some nonsense that's misinformation, disinformation and outright lies, somebody somewhere decides they want to do harm to me and or my family. As always, Acosta is too low IQ to ask a real question and Fauci plays the lowest card, conflating criticism of him with the safety of his family. Now, of course, if crazy people want to actually attack Fauci, that's bad. But you can't blame pressing him for questions on one of the most significant events of the century on attacks on him. As for prosecuting, last time I checked, lying to Congress under oath is actually a crime. And if you recall his myriad exchanges under oath with Rand Paul, he pretty much is dead to rights a liar in trying to say he never funded gain-of-function research at the Wuhan lab or anywhere. This is the ultimate canard. He never funded gain-of-function research at the Wuhan lab. But as he says on Fox, but did you know that gain-of-function is vital for the flu shot? Which is it? Do you defend it or not? He won't say it and he'll never take an interview that it seems where somebody knows the difference or even the time to really get into the weeds on that question. But shouldn't mistake that as well as Fauci not being on the defensive. As you saw with his most recent appearance on Anderson Cooper, the energy department's conclusion has actually forced even them to ask him about it. The more actual raw information that comes to light, like the emails that show he prompted the initial cover-up and the intel agencies coming to the conclusion it was a lab leak, he has to answer questions. He is now using the years of false capital that he built up during the pandemic to do what any egomaniac like him wants. He wants to die a hero lionized by the press a savior when he may be the pandemic's biggest villain so as you can see there fauci is definitely trying to preserve his legacy as this uh, philanthropic as this 
hero. scientist that, that, as a hero, he's trying to defend his legacy as a hero. And as more and more information comes out, as, for example, the inserts to the medical experiment are, you know, there's something on them now we can read and we can see the very thing that he pushed so heavily at the behest of Big Pharma uh, is so detrimental to our health overall. And, and just the whole argument that was made regarding this particular pandemic and where it came from, how it was started and spread, uh, and how he has ties to the gain-of-function research that he is unwilling to just verbalize. He, it's mm -hmm. a good thing, it's a bad thing. He has monetary ties to the research going into that particular Wuhan laboratory. Like, all of these things just are crazy. And then, of course, as soon as people are like, let's dig into Fauci, let's prosecute Fauci, let's find out what he had to gain from this whole thing other than the obvious, right? And, uh, and then he goes, oh, well, you know, you guys should just discredit any of this misinformation, <laughs> disinformation, malinformation, because uh, they're threatening my family. Uh, and it, it's just so crazy how he talks. He, he seems very prideful, uh, unwilling to, uh, you know, retrospectively look at uh, the evidence. And, and the whole way we find out he was covering up any alternative perspectives and advocating for the censorship of malinformation, right? And the protocols that kill and killed people like my dad. Like, yeah. prosecute him. He needs to be prosecuted. I mean, I was going to do the Nuremberg uh, for history today, the Nuremberg Code, and uh, I decided not yet. I'm going to do. I'm going to spend a little bit more time on it. But it's very interesting, and every single rule was broken by the protocols. It's crazy. Wow. So yeah, I look at, I'm looking forward to that. I know, uh, you know, the Nuremberg codes really outline, uh, what can and cannot be done to people medically experimentally. And I'm really interested to see what you've brought out about it. Well, it's and, not until uh, next week, but next week <laughs> for sure. <laughs> all right. Well, stay tuned everyone. Make sure to be here next week. Uh, with that said, that's all of our news for this week. Uh, and uh, I, I did want to say that I, in the future, I would like to do a, uh, a review of some of Rob's Flat Earth uh, documents and some of his blogs. And so in the future, we're going to start adding a segment to Skiba News Nation where we'll review some of Rob's footage and videos. And so for those of you who are watching, uh, we wanted to poll a question to see what videos from Jeremiah's dad, Rob, ha have most influenced you or convinced you regarding the whole biblical cosmology topic or the flat earth topic? What of Rob's research has been most impactful? Leave it in a comment below this video, and then well, in the future, we're going to make a poll. Or you could email to submit at Skiba News Nation, too. If you would do both, that'd be awesome. Yes. That, that, that'll be great. And, and we're going to start working on a compilation uh, documentary of a lot of Rob's research. And so this will help us along that route. And also, as we review it on Skiba News Nation, we'll be able to dip our toes into some of the amazing research Rob's done over the years. And I'm really excited to get into it with Jeremiah. And, uh, and just uh, before we <clears throat> you know started that segment, I, I really wanted to just read uh, you know just a, a paragraph or two 
of Rob's first post when he first started dabbling into the FE topic. And it's all about a quest for truth, which is what Skiba News Nation's all about. Yep. And this is what it says, and hopefully uh, you guys will see you know, the value of, of diving into this, is I'm on a quest for truth, Rob says. It is very easy to mock, ridicule, and dismiss an argument. Take the time to give a well-thought-out and carefully reasoned response, however, is another story. Initially, when confronting with the issue of Flat Earth, my knee-jerk response, like that of many others, was to mock, ridicule, and dismiss the whole thing as utterly ludicrous and a total waste of time to even consider. But then I was challenged by several people to prove that it was. I thought it would be quite easy to do so. It turns out I was wrong. And so uh, I won't read any more, but uh, you can see starting out in all of our quest for truth and all of our investigations, uh, we have to take the time to have a careful reasoned response to anything that's presented to us. And so going through some of this, I think will be a, a great uh, segment for Skiba News Nation. I'm really excited to do uh, a, a part you know, uh, to dive into some of this content that Rob left behind. And uh, and, and just the whole premise of Skiba News Nation is forever on the quest for truth. I, I thought it would be so cool to read a little bit of Rob's first blog post about his start on that quest for truth in, in regards to biblical cosmology. So yeah, that's uh, awesome. That's what you guys have to look out for coming soon. Yep. All right. Well, thank you, Jake, for another great current news, as always. I mean, you're always at the top of the all of the great current news. Seriously, I can't find any other good current news on any other channel. So I, I'm happy for that. But now for a quick word from JJ. Now a word from our sponsor. Now, personally, I've tried every CBD product on the market to help me manage my pain. I have degenerative disc disease and nothing has ever helped me until I tried JJ's Natural CBD Rub. So when I found out that we had the opportunity to work together, I was so excited that I could share this amazing product with you guys here on Skiba News Nation. So if you want to manage your pain like I did, text CBD to 920-382-7720 for an exclusive $50 off a three pack special. Also, check out all the testimonials on their website, jjcbdrub.com. Get pain relief like I did by getting yourself some JJ's Natural CBD Rub today. Check out more info down in the description below. Big shout out to JJ. He's awesome. He's the man. And, uh... I think it's time for an all-new Opa's Corner, so take it away, Opa. My hut, der hat drei Ecken, drei Ecken hat mein Hut. Und hat er nicht drei Ecken, dann ist es nicht mein Hut. Welcome to another episode of Opa's Corner. So, let's get started. A Scotchman, an Irishman, and an Englishman are each sentenced to a year of solitary confinement. Before being locked away, each is to be granted a year's supply of whatever he wants to help him get through the long, long spell alone. The Scotchman asks for a year's supply of whiskey. 
It's given to him, and he's locked away. The Irishman asks for a year's supply of Guinness, so he's locked up with several thousand bottles. The Englishman asks for a year's supply of cigarettes, and he's given a pile of cartons, and the cell door is shut on him. One year later, their doors are all unlocked. The Scotchman staggers out and shouts, I'm free! And then kneels over dead from alcohol poisoning. <laughs> the Irishman is dragged out into the light, whereupon he promptly dies of liver failure. When the door opens to the Englishman's cell, everybody watches eagerly to see what sort of a wreck the man has made of himself. To their surprise, he walks right out of the door, sidles up to the first person he sees, and asks, I say, you wouldn't happen to have a match, would you? <laughs> there once was a rich man who was near death. He was very grieved because he had worked so hard for his money and he wanted to be able to take it with him to heaven. So he began to pray that he might be able to take some of his wealth with him. An angel hears his plea and appears to him. Sorry, but you can't take your wealth with you. The man implores the angel to speak to God to see if he might bend the rules. The man continued to pray that his wealth could follow him. The angel reappears and informs the man that God has decided to allow him to take one suitcase with him. Overjoyed, the man gathers his largest suitcase and fills it with pure gold bars and places it beside his bed. Soon afterward, the man dies and shows up at the pearly gates to greet St. Peter. Seeing the suitcase, Peter says, Hold on, you can't bring that in here. But the man explains to him that he has permission and asks him to verify his story with the Lord. Sure enough, St. Peter checks and comes back saying, You're right, you're allowed to carry one bag, but I'm supposed to check its contents before letting it through. St. Peter opens the suitcase to inspect the worldly items that the man has found too precious to leave behind and explains, You brought in pavement? <laughs> and now for... The funnies. <laughs> Coffee sizes. Tall, grande, and the day after daylight savings time starts. <laughs> I think the cat's starting to enjoy the spray bottle too much. <laughs> <laughs> mm. 
It was then that Ed realized he'd mistakenly purchased a heavy metal detector. Ozzy? <laughs> My next guest on the monitor behind me is an organized crime informant. To protect his identity, we placed him in a darkened studio. So let's go to him now. Click. <laughs> Try to relax, ma'am. You say it was dark and you were alone in the house when suddenly you felt a hand reaching from behind and... Johnson! Knock it off! Flight. Select your spot. <laughs> your call is very important to us, so please continue to hold. It's Amazon. No, he's not busy. In fact, that whole thing is just a myth. <laughs> well, that cat's doing it again. He's keeping the poor thing alive just to play with it a while. <laughs> Here's how to remember the difference. You lie on a keyboard and you lay a dead mouse on a pillow. <laughs> Songs for Aging Rockers Led Zeppelin Stairlift to Heaven <laughs> Our guest is here to discuss his heartbreaking memoir about his human being gone for 20 minutes an Eternity, a memoir. <laughs> Dang, get inside, Ma! Blizzards are coming! <laughs> it's called Reading. It's how people install new software into their brains. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Farmer Bob, your barn door's open. <laughs> your dog had both Motive and opportunity, ma'am. He hated the cat, and he had training in operating heavy machinery. Your husband, we feel, was just in the wrong place at the wrong time.
Suddenly, a heated exchange took place between the king and the moat contractor. <laughs> Cat Food Network. As always, we're going to end the show by knocking all this stuff on the floor. <laughs> Mom! Kevin ain't the ant I was gonna eat! <laughs> I survived the fall! It's my lucky day! Your first of seven courses is a bowl of kibble to simply stare at and refuse to eat. <laughs> this is a fancy place. <laughs> what do you mean you forgot where you parked? You're shopping online! <laughs> Apparently, she was frantically ringing the doorbell, trying to get out of the rain. But by the time the owner answered the door, it was too late. Ding dong, the witch is dead. Uh. <laughs> no, I'm not drinking box wine. I'm drinking <laughs> wine in a box. <laughs> <laughs> Wine pairing in the Stone Age. Simple rule of thumb. If it tries to eat us, we serve red. If it runs away from us, serve with white. <laughs> I knew I should have married Peter Polyester Tail. No thanks, the last one I bought was shot down by an F-22. <laughs> Balloons, $5. <laughs> the big bad dog. I guess we should be glad he just wanted a stick. And the award for Best Picture goes to Every Stick Everywhere All at Once. <laughs> and that concludes Opa's Corner for another episode. My Hut, der hat drei Ecken. Drei Ecken hat mein Hut. Und hat er nicht drei Ecken. Opa's Corner is now available on my own YouTube channel. Like, share, and subscribe.
Anderson Opa's Corner Breaking News Report. This just in from California. All the streets are brown, and the teachers gay. <laughs> I went for a walk, got mugged along the way. Yeah, I'd be safe from harm if I moved from LA. California fleeing, I gotta get away. Church with rainbow flags displayed. <laughs> when I pulled out my KJV, Hebrew and Greek, the pastor burst into flame. Corner Breaking News Report. We now return you to your regular program. Was that not funny? I sent yeah, that, that I, was great. I sent that to Opa from the Babylon Bee, and I just started cracking up, so I sent it to him. And the ironic thing is, I mean, that's from uh, uh, the Mamas and the Papas, but the Beach Boys covered it. That's why it's a Beach Boy cover. And the Beach Boys are all conservative, so it makes <laughs> kind of no sense, but it's awesome. 
Well, Thank you. Uh, I like the new intro too for Opa's news segment. That I I, uh, I think that you was approve? really cool looking. You approve of that one? Oh yeah. All right. Good job, Opa. Thank you. Now it's time for some mystery. Now, for today's first thing in history, Jake, what do you know about the Zodiac Killer? Do you know oh, anything? Oh, I, I don't. I feel like I watched a movie about it. Re, uh, I can't remember what happened though, but I. It's definitely interesting. I remember he had really cryptic letters. Something about that. And he was never caught. They never found out who he was. So. What I'm going to do is, for those of y'all who don't know who the Zodiac Killer is, I made this short little video so you guys could kind of get an understanding of who he was. So let's play that first clip. Well, we have reason to believe that he's a maniac. Uh, he, however, he is a cunning man. He knows just exactly what moves he's going to make. It appears to us that he is killing just for the thrill of killing. In the late 1960s, a serial killer terrorized Northern California. To this day, his crimes remain the most famous unsolved murders in American history. High school students Betty Lou Jensen and David Arthur Faraday were on their first date December 20th, 1968, when a car pulled up next to them. bodies of the young couple were found shortly after Victims were a 16-year-old girl and a 17-year-old boy. Possibly they were ordered out of the car by the responsible and the boy was shot right at the side of the car and the girl apparently tried to run and she was shot and found 28 feet further on. On July 4th, 1969, another couple were attacked in similar circumstances four miles from the previous double murder. One of the victims survived. Shortly after, the killer called the police to claim responsibility for both slains. I want to report a murder. If you go one mile east on Columbus Parkway, you will find kids in a brown car. They were shot with a nine millimeter Luger. I also killed those kids last year. Goodbye. On July 31st, 1969, the Zodiac sent three letters to several newspaper offices. With one-third of a cipher, the killer threatened to commit more crimes unless his letter were published by the press. On September 27, 1969, two college students, Brian Hartnell and Cecilia Shepard, were having a picnic at Lake Berryessa where a man wearing a black hood approached them with a gun. After tying them up, the Zodiac stabbed them repeatedly. Later, leaving a symbol he used in his letters, drawn on the victim's car. Brian Hartnell survived the attack and spoke from his hospital bed. 
I considered him a robber. I had absolutely no thought uh, that he was anything but that. I don't, I don't think that, that he was acting under his co total, complete, uh, total complete consciousness. In October 1969, Zodiac killed his last known victim, Paul Stein, a cab driver. He mailed a piece of the victim's shirt to the San Francisco Chronicle. Captain Lee, uh, at this particular time, uh, is satisfied that the individual who sent this piece of shirt in and the letter to the Chronicle was in fact connected with the, uh, is the person who killed the cab driver, let me put it that way. In the span of two years, the Zodiac murdered five known victims. In one letter, he claimed responsibility for 37 murders. He continued to send letters to the press until 1974. Journalist Paul Avery received those letters. I think that uh, the Zodiac received those letters. He's just making Oops. an idle threat, frankly. I think he just wanted to get himself a little publicity. He's not a brilliant man, but he certainly he certainly isn't dumb. Many have been suspected of being the Zodiac, but no one was ever proven to be the killer. The murders have inspired many books and movies. Here's a great example. I got a job at the San Francisco Chronicle on September 16th, 1968. About three months later, Zodiac struck. It stayed with me until a day about, let's see, the 80s, the late 80s. In 2020, this is a crazy. team of experts cracked the code of a 1969 cipher sent by the Zodiac. We tried several hundred thousand incorrect ways of solving the cipher. And just by chance, we happened to sort of stumble upon a fragment of, of how it could be solved. And using that fragment, we reverse engineered the, the entire solution and uh, got the, the entire message out from the Zodiac. However, the message didn't contain information that could help identify him. And some people think it never will. I don't think they'll ever uh, really know. I mean, there have been countless uh, movies, TV shows, like you said, books about the Zodiac Killer. But in my opinion, all the suspects that they tend to think are the Zodiac, there's always one thing that doesn't make any sense. but. I stumbled upon this video before I started making this. This is kind of what inspired me to, to talk about the Zodiac Killer. And it's it was this video and it, I, I think he's my suspect. Like I think that he could be the suspect. So check this out. Is this the real Zodiac Killer? The Bureau of Justice Statistics claimed that the United States has almost 18,000 law enforcement agencies. Only 7% of those jurisdictions have teams devoted to addressing cold cases. This shows that there is room for crowd sleuthing, since it is ideal that someone is focusing on unresolved crimes, right? By using the power of the internet's combined information, one might claim that internet sleuthing is helping authorities in making society safer. Yet the question remains, may this vigilante-style criminal fighting pose a risk? Or can decades-old crimes be solved by passionate civilians? In this video, we look at a very strong new suspect in a decades-old case that still captivates the collective conscious of those wanting to know the identity of the infamous Zodiac Killer. 
It has been said that this is the most famous unsolved murder case in the history of the United States. As a result, it has been ingrained in popular culture and has motivated many amateur investigators to try to solve it. Between December 1968 and October 1969, the Zodiac committed five known murders in the San Francisco Bay Area. Zodiac suspects come and go in the internet realm. Suspects are put forward, investigated, and are either thrown out or question-marked by the internet's amateur investigators. A new suspect has been thrust into the spotlight by a payphone. Morford has, in his own words, put his reputation on the line and claimed that he is 100% certain that William McDuff Andrew is the Zodiac killer. Darlene Ferrin and Michael McGough arrived at Blue Rock Springs Park in Vallejo, four miles from the Lake Herman Road murder scene, just before midnight on July 4, 1969, and parked. While the pair sat in Ferrin's car, a second vehicle entered the parking lot, parked near them, and then quickly left. This vehicle returned around 10 minutes later and parked behind them. The driver of the second automobile then exited his vehicle and approached Ferrin's vehicle while holding a torch and a 9mm Luger. The man directed the spotlight into the eyes of McGough and Ferrin before firing five shots at them. Both victims were struck, with multiple rounds entering McGough and Ferrin. The assailant left the vehicle, but upon hearing McGough sobbing, returned and shot each victim twice more before fleeing. At 12.40am on July 5, 1969, a man called the Vallejo Police Department to report and take responsibility for the assault. The caller also claimed responsibility for the killings of Jensen and Faraday six months before. Three-tenths of a mile from Ferrin's residence and just a few blocks from the Vallejo Police Department, police tracked the call to a phone booth in a gas station at Springs Road and to Olomi. Ferrin died, and although he was shot in the face, neck, and chest, McGough survived the attack. McGough described his assailant as a 5-foot-8-inch, 195 to 200 pounds, or probably heavier, Caucasian male between 26 and 30 years old, with short, light brown, wavy hair. The Zodiac must have lived close to the Springs Road and Tuolumne payphone and walked to the payphone after the murders, in case his car or clothing used during the murders would be recognized by a member of the public or law enforcement. Morford started investigating people in the area and came across William McDuff Andrew. This is where the evidence started piling up. There is a fine line between coincidence and evidence. Evidence is extensive and leans towards too many coincidences not to be true. William McDuff Andrew grows up in Vallejo in apartments linked to his father's real estate firm, 500 feet from the Springs and Tuolumne crossroads. McDuff graduates from Chico State College in June 1968. Faraday and Jensen were slain on Lake Herman Road, about seven miles east of McDuff's parents' home on the outskirts of Vallejo on December 20th, 1968. Just before midnight on July 4th, 1969, Ferrin and McGough were assaulted by the Zodiac near Blue Rock Springs, about four miles northeast of McDuff's parents' house. McGough characterized Zodiac as five foot eight inches tall, 195 to 200 pounds, overweight, with a large round face, between 26 and 30 years old, and without glasses. McDuff was 24 years old, five foot eight inches tall, 200 pounds, overweight, with a wide round face, and he sometimes, but not always, wore glasses. 
30 to 40 minutes after the Blue Rock Springs assault on July 5th, 1969, the Zodiac phones police from a phone booth around 500 feet away from McDuff's parents' residence. McDuff's cousin in Deer Lodge, Montana, is evaluated by a physician on September 21st, 1969, owing to illness. Four days later, McDuff's cousin is re-examined by a physician after deteriorating, and it is found that she has bronchopneumonia. The Zodiac attacks at Lake Berryessa in Napa County happen on September 27, 1969. During a conversation, the Zodiac mentions being an escaped convict from a jail that is thought to be located in Deer Lodge. Paul Stein is murdered by Zodiac on October 11, 1969 in San Francisco. On October 13, 1969, McDuff's cousin passes away. On the same day, the Zodiac sends a letter with a portion of Paul Stein's clothing. Officer Richard Raditich was shot and killed on June 19, 1970 in San Francisco at 666 Waller Street. The Zodiac hints in a letter dated June 26, 1970 that he murdered Raditich. McDuff lived at 551 Tuolumne Avenue in San Francisco, just 0.2 miles from the Raditich incident. In March of 1971, Zodiac mailed a letter. There wouldn't be another verified letter for another three years. McDuff began working for the state of California in the spring of 1971. By at the conclusion of his 30-year tenure, he was a jail sergeant. In 1971, McDuff's future bride and her family move from another state to Vallejo. McDuff is reported as living in his parents' new house in Vallejo in 1973, which is within 500 feet of their former residence. Zodiac wrote his first letter after three years in January of 1974. In June 1974, McDuff gets engaged. One month later, the Zodiac sent his last verified letter. In October 1974, McDuff marries and moves to Vacaville, 300 feet away from a couple that received a letter containing baseball tickets from someone purporting to be Zodiac in Vallejo in 1969. In December 1990, a possible Zodiac postcard was sent from Eureka, California. In the 1980s, McDuff bought land in the Eureka region. McDuff dies in Oregon in 2014. In August of 2015, McDuff's widow writes on her blog that she discovered a box of her husband's old belongings that she named the Guilt Box, with the word guilt scrawled on the side. The box included a copy of The Code Breakers by David Kahn, the same book that experts think Zodiac used as a reference to develop his ciphers. McDuff's wife notes that he first read the book in 1980, but had lost his original copy. Because he liked the book so much, he ordered another copy, which could be found in the box. McDuff was licensed for one of his responsibilities, which was to instruct prison guards in the use of handguns, rifles, and shotguns. McDuff's writing resembles that of Zodiac. During the 1960s and 1970s, he was highly interested in Freemasonry. This may explain the use of symbols used by the Zodiac Killer. In working closely with GSK investigators, one thing I was made aware of was that they felt there were going to be life changes in his life that facilitated his stops and starts in activity. A new job, a marriage, birth of kids, etc. They felt that when he was caught, they could look back and see what those triggers were. Sure enough, D'Angelo was caught. Turns out that the birth of his first daughter coincided with his pause in killing, and the birth of his second five years later coincided with the next murder. For some reason, major life changes often reflect in a serial killer's crime spree. 
since Mac's brand new job with the state lines up with the pause in Zodiac letters in 1971, and his engagement and marriage line up with Zodiac's resuming and final letter of 1974, I think we may be seeing the same thing here. Without clear DNA, fingerprint or ballistic evidence, all the suspects in the Zodiac case are just that, suspects. With the advance of technology and probable cause, we may one day know the identity of the Zodiac. Hey, Opa. So, Surprise! So when they were talking about D'Angelo, that was the Golden State Killer who was caught later in life when he was older. Do you know anything about uh, Golden State Killer? No, uh, no, don't. It is fascinating. You should check it out. Um, but what are your thoughts about that? Do you think that that, that man could have matched up with with the time frame of the crimes? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's plausible. I, the Zodiac Killer, the the notorious murderer who really likes arts and crafts, right? I mean, he, he was real ballsy. I don't know if I can say that. Well, that's all I got for the Zodiac Killer, but for my next story, Jake, did you know that Norm MacDonald on January 6, 2021, he tweeted and said that what happened on January 6th was a peaceful protest. And there's also a piece of footage that I found in this video that I, I haven't seen before, so check this out. Breaking censored video re-emerges of Jacob Chansley reading Trump's tweet and telling protesters to go home and remain peaceful. We're gonna pull up the tweet. Donald Trump has asked everybody to go home. Donald Trump, quote, I am asking for everyone in the US Capitol to remain peaceful. No violence. Remember, we are, we are the party of law and order. Respect our Have you ever seen this video, Chuck? I can't tell. We are not I've never seen this video of him, of the Jacob Chansley. Yeah, this is a different angle. I don't think I've ever seen this. Why is it that the media never showed us this? You know, the media made Jacob Chansley, the Q shaman, the face of Donald Trump's insurrection. He was supposedly leading the charge. Part of a seditious conspiracy, which was a plot organized by the Proud Boys and Donald Trump and Roger Stone to overthrow the US government. But what we actually see is the exact opposite. You know, I find it funny because the January 6th committee was trying to make the point that Donald Trump was inciting violence. Very conveniently, social media companies engaged in a collective effort to censor Donald Trump. They pretty much deplatformed him from all the major social media entities. And so his previous tweets and his previous statements disappeared from the internet, at least from his official accounts, key information that the January 6th committee purposely left out of their report, but if the whole thing was an organized seditious conspiracy with Donald Trump and Roger Stone at the helm, then why is it that you have the Q shaman on the day of telling people, we are not Antifa, listen to what Donald Trump said, do not enter the Capitol, remain peaceful, doing the exact opposite of what he's charged for, doing the exact opposite of what the mainstream liberal narrative and January 6th select committee narrative has been suggesting. Because even the woman in the crowd who happens to be the individual advocating for people to continue moving forward and entering the capital, even that individual isn't telling the crowd to act violently and to overthrow the government. She merely said multiple times, this is the people's house 
and we want our voices heard. That sounds more like a peaceful protest than it does a violent insurrection or seditious conspiracy that's organized to overthrow the US government and end democracy as we know it. I actually want to reference a tweet from the late Norm Macdonald, who tweeted this on January 6, 2021. I loved when the violent terrorists made sure to respect the velvet ropes in Statuary Hall. The left is outraged <laughs> at Tucker Carlson's segment that depicted the overwhelming majority of individuals as not only peaceful, but as showing reverence and respect for the capital as they wandered around seemingly aimlessly. Again, let's go back to the core of the leftist narrative. An organized, seditious plot, a seditious conspiracy to overthrow the US government. Then the reality of the video footage, people walking around aimlessly, non-violently, even respecting the velvet ropes in Statuary Hall. People walking around aimlessly, organized, seditious conspiracy. Do those two concepts go together? They seem completely at odds. It seems quite paradoxical. Only one organized plot, and it certainly isn't from the protesters. Now, sadly, Norm Macdonald died September 14th, 2021, but he was so prophetic in his choice of words. I mean, what are your thoughts, Jake? Yeah, I mean, it brings to mind that uh, Elon Musk post I shared earlier, you know, he was like, they they literally opened the door for these people. How how can you believe the media fact checkers when it, you have to be able to trust your own eyes with what you can see? And, and uh, yeah, it's just, it's crazy that Norm was, I feel like a lot of truthers already were very skeptical of the official narrative of that evening, especially how much they were using it politically to push agendas. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I think I, I can only believe that Norm was tapped into that same mentality. Uh, he was definitely a closeted truther. Yeah, he's a closeted yeah. truther for sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just thought that was super interesting. And you know, I, you know, I love Norm Macdonald. So anytime I see something relevant that we're talking about and I see Norm, I'm like, oh my God, I got to put it in Skiba News Nation because you guys love Norm too. So I just thought I would add that in there. Okay, now for this next clip, my dad would have thought was really cool because, uh, well, Opa sent it to me, but it is like, what would you tell me if I told you that lightsabers from Star Wars were real? Would you believe me? Probably not. Check this out. My name is Alex Burkan and my record title is the first retractable lightsaber. All my life I was a great Star Wars fan and the lightsaber was the most wanted gadget that I wanted to have ever. Since 2013 main field of my research and work was hydrogen generation equipment, so I decided maybe I could build something with my own hands. My lightsaber is a powerful but compact hydrogen and oxygen burner. It can form 1 meter plasma torch with temperature over 2800 degrees Celsius. For many years I have collected ideas and spare parts for my lightsaber and power equipment on the internet markets and the scrapyards. Every single step during development and building process was a challenge. First I had to design and build powerful high-pressure equipment. The key component of my lightsaber is electrolyzer. Electrolyzer is a device that can generate huge amount of hydrogen and oxygen and compress the gas to any pressure without mechanical compressor. I also use the electrolyzer as a hydrogen booster of my bike. After I built it, I made hundreds of experiments and bench tests to get quite stable plasma torch. Finally, the most jewelry job 
was to squeeze in the whole gas distribution system in a lightsaber handle. It is a star killer lightsaber from the Force Unleashed game. The temperature of hydrogen and oxygen flame is nearly 3000 degrees Celsius, so you can burn through steel with this lightsaber. And remember that plasma is a stream of high ionized particles, so this lightsaber can also attract the lightning and other high voltage discharges. But the most awesome thing this gadget can do, it gives you a true feeling of real lightsaber in your hand. This is a first row prototype, so it has lots of limitations. It works only 30 seconds on full power. The hydrogen torch is not so stable as it can be, and you can easily see it when it moves. So I need to upgrade the nozzle and gas stream parameters first. Still, fuel tank is not so strong for higher pressure, so I plan to replace it with carbon tank system. Sometimes the lightsaber just blow up in a hand because of a hydrogen flashback. But I think the science will help us and finally we can get the lightsaber close to the movie version. I know I'm not the only one who tries to make the dream now of check a out this lightsaber one. becomes real. And that's cool. James Hobson and his guys from Hacksmith Industries also made awesome real-life protosaber. Uh, the most crazy thing is that we make it almost simultaneously. As you can see, Hacksmith version that. is much more powerful. It definitely works longer than 30 seconds. Our duel would be extremely fast and furious because, you know, <laughs> I have only 30 seconds to win. Isn't it cool that two guys from a different part of the world dream about one thing that doesn't even exist? Uh, sometimes we discuss our common project with James, sometimes we threaten each other with our new inventions, and we always support each other, especially when James is trying to kill himself with some new crazy gadgets. Things and ideas that unite people all over the world are awesome. Of course, that's a great feeling to get into Guinness World Records with something that you just made with your own hands, but the only wish now is to make something more epic. Right now I'm working on Iron Man suit and uh, other equipment that also works on hydrogen. So I hope to see you again and break a few more records. Now you at home can make your own light lightsaber, but just don't go through the airport with it. That's all I'm asking. <laughs> what do you think wow, about that, Wow, man. That is awesome. I, I, the whole time I was like, man, his lightsaber is way cooler than the Hacksmith one because it actually is just a standalone lightsaber. The Hacksmith one had like a tube connected to it, which is proto lightsaber, but not out of the movies. But I mean, 30 seconds is a long so time. Cool. I don't know how the science works oh, when man. you're, you know, like how they bounce off each other, but I don't know. Maybe we'll get there someday, right? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, so awesome. I remember as a kid, that is one of the things that if I had like a genie with three wishes, one wish would have been, I want a lightsaber. You know? yeah. <laughs> it's uh, definitely awesome. I, I know, you know Rob loved Star Wars and we're really enjoying watching the Mandalorian season mm -hmm. uh, three just came out. And what's really cool is it's got a lot of themes that uh, seem to remind me of followers of the way. Uh, but you know, it's star Wars kind of the, you know, how people use the Lord of the Rings as Christian analogy. Yeah. Well, the Mandalorian has a lot of really interesting Christian analogy to it. Uh, for example, he, he, you know, had to get baptized or mikvah to be redeemed. And he is always talking about the way and, 
Um, and I think there's a lot of interesting parallels with the language of you know, the Mandalorian Creed and you got to keep the helmet on and, and Christian theology. So you have like the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness and all these things. So there's interesting parallels uh, that I, I get a kick out of. But just in terms of uh, being a fan of Star Wars, I, I've been a fan since I was very young, collected a lot of the uh, expanded universe you know, legends books as Disney deemed them after they bought out Lucasfilm. But uh, yeah, that's awesome, man. Thanks for sharing the, the advancement of Star Wars lightsaber technology. Well, I saved my last clip because it has to do with my dad. And so, you know, he was on ABC News or he was on ABC. Yeah. So what I did was I put together a little clip and it speaks for itself because here's my dad schooling ABC Bald Hearts on FE and Biblical Cosmology. So check this out. We'll start with some basic questions. The sky is... In a world where it feels like nothing is as it seems... The sky is blue. One plus one is... Two. One, two, three! We're Those iconic blue marble images seen from space flat earthers denounce them as fakes. You start seeing words like composite or animation or you know something that tells you this is not an actual photograph of the earth. Part of a huge conspiracy going back to those very first steps on the moon. It's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. I hope you're ready to listen fast because I'm ready to speak fast. Rob Skiba is another one of the celebrity contrarians in the Flat Earth Movement. His popular YouTube videos and podcasts take clues from the Bible's book of Genesis. There's no way you can get a spinning heliocentric globe out of anything in the Bible. Are you just skeptical Cars. of everything? I have become skeptical of everything, and I think rightfully so. Check it out for yourself. Go out and test. You just want them to ask the questions. Why do you believe what you believe? And let you go from there. Because <laughs> you know? yeah, I could tell you something, that, and then you just look at me and say, I'm crazy. A lot of people watching this are going to be like, that man is crazy. I'm sure they <laughs> probably do. Finish him. And, and I would say, well, they're crazy for not testing what they think they believe. Fatality. <laughs> now, I just thought that was awesome. And... What are your thoughts? <laughs> I was there uh, when he was doing that interview, and your dad had me filming the entire uh, interview with ABC. So I'm behind the camera guy that we're watching there filming with my camera to make sure that if they did cut anything out, we had the full interview. So I was, I was there when that was happening, man, and I was like, man, this is so huge. ABC interviewing something about Flat Earth. What in the, like where's the world come to? Why would they even care about this? But man, that was really a cool interview. Your dad just blew him out of the water with, you know, just hard hitting, simple truths like simple the only facts. Reason there's flat earthers. Yes, there's only reason there's flat earthers in today's day and age is because there's not very much convincing proof that we're on a spinning globe. No, nope. and, and it's just it was a uh, it was really cool to get experience all that, but. Yeah, thanks for sharing that clip, man. That was awesome. Yeah, I thought it was cool with the sound effects and everything. Well, that's all I got for history. I hope you guys enjoyed that. And uh, you got you got some memes? Oh, yeah, let's do it. Meme me up. Meme me up.
And since you showed that, I moved this meme to the top of the heap. Uh, if there was proof of the globe, there wouldn't be flat earthers. Globe earthers. <laughs> oh, you're weird and awkward. Yeah, get away from me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And uh, here's another FU one for us. Uh, when she knows 9-11 was an inside job and the earth is flat. Ooh, <laughs> awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Sexy. Intellect is superior to looks, right? Uh, here's a almost a foot of sunshine, and it's still coming down. Y'all st stay safe out there. <laughs> uh, somebody conducting their own Aristophanes experiment, uh, of course. Uh, it didn't prove that the sun was super far away and super big. It just showed that the math works in both circumstances. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, this is the ancient Greek philosopher who conducted this experiment in Egypt. It's often used as one of the proofs that we're living on a spinning globe. But uh, the experiment works just the same if the sun is much smaller, much closer, the same shadow is cast. And uh, here we have uh, daylight savings time. Only a white man would cut two inches from the top of a blanket, sew it to the bottom, and think he now has a longer blanket. <laughs> it's, That's true. It's kind of accurate. I mean, we just went through another phase of adding an hour to our day uh, just this weekend. So, man, I which didn't I affect know. my I, life at all. It did not yeah. affect my life at all. <laughs> yeah, when you're paying attention to the clock uh, and you're working your nine to five, it can make a big difference at what time you have to get up. You're like, oh no, I got less one less hour to sleep today. Yep. Oh man. Uh, I figured you'd appreciate this. When I complained to Amazon about a missing parcel, they asked me to send photographic evidence. <laughs> <laughs> he sent a picture of his empty hand. And they say, have you checked all your neighbors? Have you checked all your neighbors? Yes, I've checked all my, <laughs> all my neighbors. That's so bad. All right. I deserve two terms. That's right. One for treason, one for fraud. <laughs> Lock them up. A different type of term. <laughs> uh, when you pray to get rich in church and somebody brings you a bowl of money <laughs> thanks man <laughs> <laughs> that's fine uh, something I've been putting off for weeks that wouldn't take longer than 15 minutes to complete me uh, I gotta run away from it <laughs> procrastination <laughs> yep oh man and our last meme of the day is uh, a great reminder that I'm learning as a father of some infants. Uh, this is the fastest thing in the world. It's a baby's fist full of food. Opening these hands will have you questioning your own strength. <laughs> it's so true. Like my daughter Zena will just go blah and like have a full hand of like your food. And she <laughs> it's crazy. Um, yep. All right, that's all the funny memes for this week, Jeremiah. All right, Jake, thank you for another great current news and uh, great memes. And Opa, thank you for another great Opus Corner. I hope you guys enjoyed my history segment. And uh, thank you for joining us here on Skiba News Nation. And thank you for coming on this journey with us as we continue to seek the truth. So stay tuned. If you would like to submit a story, topic, or have any other inquiries, 
please email submit at skibanewsnation.com. Also, you can email Jeremiah Skiba personally at jeremiah at skibanewsnation.com. Also, email Jake personally at jake at skibanewsnation.com. If you want to write us a letter, send us something, help support us, or just say hi, please send your letter to Jeremiah Skiba, P.O. Box 560-271, The Colony, Texas 75056. If you write us a letter, I'll do my best to write you back. Hey, Skiba News Nation family, thank you for watching. Please like, share, subscribe, and click that notification bell so you never miss an episode of Skiba News Nation. If you want to help support us, please consider becoming a Patreon, where you will get exclusive content, shoutouts, and much more. And you can also support our channel by getting yourself some new Skiba News Nation merch. Thank you for coming on this journey with us as we continue to stay on the quest for truth. Huge shout out to all our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for your support. We couldn't do this show without you. If you want to help support us, go to patreon.com forward slash Skiba News Nation. Also, you can listen to Skiba News Nation podcasts on your favorite podcast platform.